Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, our guest on the show today, we have Eric Donjus of Anytime Fitness, his club location in Trenton, Ohio. Eric, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. I am always excited to talk to an Anytime Fitness owner. Obviously, as franchises go, Anytime is a fairly well-known brand, at least in the fitness space. I don't think we need to do a ton of work explaining what Anytime Fitness is as a brand, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey with Anytime Fitness and, and how you got involved in this. So take us back in, in your memory to the day that the idea sprouted in your head, hey, I think I'm going to open up a gym. What was going on for you and, and what got all of this moving? Yeah, um, I was in pharmaceutical sales for approximately 10 years and um, it kind of burned out on, on what I was doing there and uh, just started searching around being into fitness, um, being into fitness. Uh, my background's in physical education and health, um, did some coaching. Um, but, you know, initially my thought was I want to open up a personal training studio. Um, and then I came across Anytime Fitness. Um, I got in touch with some local owners who at the time had, they owned uh, six Anytime Fitness clubs, um, spent some time with them and really fell in love with the model. Um, you know, understanding that I could do personal training, treat it as almost like a personal training studio, but mm -hmm. uh, we'd also be able to sell memberships. Um, so one thing led to another, and um, through my research, um, everything was positive, and and uh, put it all together and opened about 12 years ago. Yeah, and so the the stars aligned anytime fitness presented this opportunity to be what it's designed to be, right? The hybrid between, like you said, personal training studio and commercial gym where we're selling memberships, this nice middle ground in between. And I assume, fingers crossed, I hope that you know more about running a gym today than you did 12 years ago. So talk to us a little bit about the biggest differences in your mind between Anytime Fitness, Trenton, Ohio, 12 years ago and today. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely been a wild ride. Um, going through um, just the whole learning process, um, the ups and downs of owning a business. Um, you know, I've learned a lot. And, um, and it's just through, I guess, well, we have support through the franchise. Um, some local owner, owners that I mentioned earlier, um, really helped me get started. But um, just trial and error and, and going through the ups and downs of all the things that go along with owning your own business, I guess. Yeah. So with all of that, people that listen to this are, are fairly well aware of the, the trials and tribulations of being in, in the fitness industry. It's not sunshine and rainbows all the time, but for you at least boil those 12 years down to kind of two diff different perspectives here. What's been your favorite part 
about running your own gym and what's been the hardest part about running your own gym? Yeah. Um, my favorite part is just, uh, interacting with members. Um, and whenever, whenever things get tough, um, I always go back to why I'm here in the first place. And that's, I really enjoy helping others. Um, so, you know, I rely on that and, um, I've always tried to set ourselves up to be different um, than other gyms um, in terms of, you know, when people walk in, um, I want to get to know them. I want to get to know the reason why they came in, what their goals are, and then just try to walk them through and, and, and try to help them get started with um, some type of program based on, based on their goals. So it, it's really just about connecting and helping others. Um, sure. And uh, I just really try to focus on that. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, Eric, like we said, this is this is not an industry for the faint of heart. For you, what's been what's been the most challenging part about running a gym so far? Well, definitely um, recently with, with COVID, uh, you know, with the Fair ten weeks okay. cut down. Um, definitely, uh, that was that was the biggest, um, challenge that I can think of. Um, and we were shut down for 10 weeks, uh, zero revenue and really not knowing, um, what was going to happen hmm. when the dust settled. Um, yep. so how hard did that hit your membership? Did you, did you find that you lost a, a decent chunk or were you guys able to, to at least hold on? Uh, we were able to hold on. Um, you know, being where we're at um, and the relationships that we, that, that I have here in town. I mean, thankfully uh, the day we opened, there was, there were six, I remember six ladies being at the front door waiting for me to unlock the door and they were ready to come back in and work out. And, mm. and um, it was slow uh, for six months to a year. And then I, I think it took us a good year to get back to where we were before COVID. And so as assuming now beyond that year, memberships in a better place currently than it was 2019 2020 is that seven right i think so i think we've bounced back stronger than ever good okay well uh that that leads me pretty well into this next question that's burning in my mind at least because a lot of our listeners find us just for new ideas of, of how to get some people especially post-covid back through their doors what have you found to be successful after those lockdowns in terms of the, the marketing front, just to get some, some of those people back or some new members in? Yeah. And, you know, really, again, I think we've, our location's been great. Um, we've never had an issue really with um, getting people through the front door. Um, and I honestly, I think, I think people during, during the last couple of years, they, they realized that, um, and a lot of people, you know, were sedentary and didn't do a lot, um, for two years. So, um, I've just noticed that, um, you know, now that we're back and open, like people are more people are, are interested in getting active and being fit. And we're pretty much the only location in town. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I think that, allowed us to, you know, to, to bounce back. Um, yeah. 
interesting point there with at least minimal competition because i'm sure at least within a, a decent enough driving distance there are other gyms right ohio you're not the only gym in ohio at least but correct, correct. in the immediate area have you uh, let me ask the question this way i suppose in your 12 years have you guys done any kind of advertising or do you think that the growth has come just because we haven't had that competition i think a lot of it's word of mouth referrals um, we do marketing, uh, we'll do mailers and we do different specials and, and offers and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it, I think is just the fact that I've been here for 12 years and, um, I get to know my members and, and they refer other members and it just kind of, yeah. Yeah. it's been fairly easy from that, from that standpoint. Um, sure. I like to think that Trenton's kind of like an Island out here where we're at, um, probably good 20 25 minute drive to to find the nearest you know um fitness clubs um got it yeah, yeah. so you you have a pretty decent barrier and, and a good market to pull for to pull from yes with your membership now and the size of your facility what do you think how far could you push membership if you were really trying to get some people in here we could definitely push it. Um, and again, I think it goes back. Um, I talked to you a little earlier about uh, the personal training and connecting and, and helping members. Um, I think all that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, sure. I think the more you're helping and uh, you're more of a location where people can come and um, get that type of service. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would push our membership to another level. Yep. Yeah, anytime as a brand has really doubled down on, on the coaching service more so than just being a facility to come and go to it and and anybody that's been in this kind of model knows that a well designed and developed PT department can produce even more revenue than just memberships on a low cost basis in this kind of a model. For, for people in a similar model, Eric, how have you found success in steering more of your members towards personal training as an option? Uh, it's just, it's just connecting, um, having conversations um, and just knowing that every single person that walks through our front door or calls, calls in, um, they have something going on. Um, they have a story, they have a goal, they have something that's, um, push them uh, to walk in our front door and um, and just having those conversations and listening. Um, and it's really, it's not a difficult thing to do um, to just ask a few questions and then just listen. And most people are ready to, you know, they came with a reason and they're, they're willing to share it. Um, so once you understand know why they came in in the first place um just being a, a good source of information and, and being able to get a game plan together for them and try to help them get moving towards um, reaching their goals yep now i have a pretty good idea of how you're going to answer this but i think it's important nonetheless and, and in this model retention is is almost more important than acquisition on the front end You've mentioned community, you've mentioned connection a handful of times. 
paired in tandem with not having a ton of competition, but beyond those things, what do you think influences maintaining your membership or, or being able to keep these people coming back month after month? Yes. Yeah, uh, I think first it's just, you know, being able to establish, you know, what their goals are. Um, and then, um, just staying in contact, um, because as you know, and as you know, people can come in, um, they're ready to go. They, they have something in mind and, uh, that, that can fizzle over time. Um, so just being in a position where we can kind of reach out and, and, uh, and just be a coach and be a, be someone who can, um, you know, motivate and, and, uh, you know, show that you care about, about them as, as an individual. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I find that unfortunately, at least, and maybe COVID was a, a differentiator here, but I find that a lot of facilities really lost that, that connection and that, personal touch and we say PT but the personal part of personal training is just as important in all of this at least in my mind right as you move forward on this you mentioned really trying to double down on services like personal training but paint me a picture of of the future of anytime fitness Trenton where do you see this where do you want to see this going as time goes on yeah, just um, I want to be consistent um, with the way we do things. Um, you know, ideally, I would like to, for every member that walks through the door, I would like to, um, you know, schedule a consultation where we can kind of get to the bottom of what their goals are. And, um, and then, um, you know, try to help them get started with that. Um, I guess we're, you know, we do a good job of that. Um, I think where we could do a better job is, you know, sometimes you meet with these folks um, and maybe you see them for a month or, or so, and then they, and then all of a sudden they, they disappear. Um, so yeah. being able to um, just stay in contact, uh, maybe six weeks go by and you don't, or four to six weeks go by, you don't see someone just reaching out and see how they're doing. And um, I think just having that system in place and, um, repeating that over and over um we're going to be more successful with our with our personal training program and i and i think we've we've kind of failed with with that over the last couple of years of not just continuously um staying in contact or just checking mm -hmm. in yeah i find that's one of the biggest differences between this this sort of medium box anytime fitness model and the 24-hour fitness the planet fitness the whatever it is those models don't want you to show up they're Agreed. incentivizing you to not be there Agreed. anytime is not not quite the case you know when and and i appreciate your perspective on that of if i don't see somebody for a little while whatever the the given time frame is we got to get in touch. If we're branding ourselves as a coaching service, whether they're spending money on personal training or not, we should be in their ear in some capacity. And so I would, I would be surprised if that didn't have a significant impact on your business as that becomes more of a focus for you as time goes on. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's uh 
it's always a a fascinating conversation. One one question here for you to to begin to wrap things up. You've been doing this for a while, Eric. Twelve years in the fitness industry is a lifetime in any other career. For somebody interested in getting into business ownership in fitness, what would be the best advice you could provide? Or if you were to talk to 12 or 13 years ago, Eric, what would you tell him that he would need to hear? Um, you know, I, I think being here, um, is a lot, is, is a big reason why we're still standing after 12 years. Um, when, you know, when I first started, it was six days a week. Um, now it's five days a week. Um, but the members, they see a familiar face. Um, they know they have someone here that's, um, taking care of the facility, um, who's going to provide customer service. Um, so anyone, you know, initially when I first looked at Anytime Fitness, it was almost advertised as a business where you could kind of, um, open the doors and walk away kind of thing uh, because yeah, the absentee owner is, it was, a, it yeah. was a draw a long time ago, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I and it doesn't work. And I've seen it. We had a snap in town that opened four months before we opened and they lasted about two years. And I've seen other clubs come and go and, and a lot of it's just absentee owner and, and not being around. So I would, I would say, you know, get in there, get involved, get to know your members um, and really just try to, uh, develop a system that's different than, than any other, uh, gym. Otherwise, you know, it probably makes sense to just go to say planet fitness and spend $10 a month. If you're not sure. providing, and there's stuff, clearly a market for it, but it's, it's a different product, you know, it is, it is. So yeah, I would say just, you know, get involved and, uh, you know, provide a service. And people will, you know, they're okay to pay, you know, more than $10 a month if uh, you are providing additional services. Yeah, I would, I would argue that there's a demographic and a good portion of the market that's more than okay. They're happy to spend that kind of money if it's backed up with value. And so I think you're, you're 100% on the button there. We're running a bit shy on time here, Eric, but I want to save a minute for you to tell people where they could learn a little bit more about your club. Do you have social media links? Is there a specific website? How can people find you guys and connect? Uh, you can go to anytimefitness.com. Um, once you're there, you can search our clubs by state and city. Um, I think we're up to around 5,000 locations um, just in the United States. Um, but yeah, you can find us there. Just type in Trenton, Ohio. Um, we have a Facebook page and, and that and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, we're pretty easy to find. Do some Googling. Anytime Fitness, Trenton, Ohio. Connect with Eric and the team. Eric, this has been awesome, man. I, I always enjoy these kinds of conversations and, and getting to take a look underneath the hood of businesses like this to see what happens behind the scenes. And so I appreciate your willingness to share. I'm excited because it still sounds like you guys are, are striving to improve and, and move some metrics in the right direction so unfortunately like i said we're out of time but i wish you nothing but the best moving forwards thank you very much absolutely to everyone who tuned in thank you as well 
Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model. Click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam, and today with me, I have Miss Deborah with Absolutely Pilates out of Huntington Beach, California. Deborah, how are you today? Fine. Nice to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, as we talked prior, you know, hopefully the weather's not too bad out there today, but, um, you know, staying inside and being cozy is always nice. It is. really is. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for taking the time. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to open it up to you. Just go ahead and give our listeners a little background on yourself and, you know, your maybe your experiences and ultimately what led to the Absolutely Pilates. Okay, great. Uh, I started teaching um, basic fitness um, in the late 90s because we had moved overseas to Asia and my corporate job in the software business, I just couldn't bring it overseas. So I was, I have a dance background. I spent a lot of time studying ballet and modern and jazz dancing. So I thought, well, let me put together an exercise class. So I did that in Asia while I was living there, mostly for expats and for locals. And I did really well. And when we moved back to the US, uh, we moved to North Carolina. And one of my hobbies was writing. I like to write articles and I was writing for a fitness uh, journal uh, on the internet. And I thought, I'm going to write about Pilates. It was really strange because I didn't know one thing about Pilates, not at all, but it just came to me that, hey, I'm going to write about Pilates. So I did. And at that time, this was right around 2000, uh, there was only 500 Pilates studios in the United States. And I have no idea how many there are now, but a lot more than that. So I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I interviewed the one and only Pilates studio in Charlotte. And um, I fell in love with it. It was like when I went there to interview her for this article, I'm like, I see my future. So I went, I started studying with her. I went two or three times a week and I worked out with her and I took other classes. I would fly up to New York City and do workshops and so forth there. And ultimately she asked me to come work for her. So I started working for her and then as an apprentice and then I actually worked for her and saw clients. Uh, and then I continued to get more certifications. I ultimately, I was certified with her, which is the very traditional classical method, which I won't go into right now. I might come up later on, but it's very much like the way Joe Pilates taught way back when. And then I did a more contemporary physical therapy type certification with Polestar Pilates, which is probably the large, maybe the largest certifying body in the, in the world because they're big internationally. So we learn more about fixing bodies, not just doing exercise, but also adding some physical therapy into that. Technically not physical therapists, but using Pilates to help people with issues like hip replacements, knee replacements, and bad backs, and so forth. Uh, and I started doing that, and I taught in North Carolina. I opened my own studio, and then we moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where I worked for like a minute. We weren't there very long uh, and had a studio there, but that one was in my home. And then I moved out to Southern California in 2000 
six, opened the studio in my house around 2007 uh, and have been doing it ever since. And that's my story. <laughs> awesome, Deborah. Well, I appreciate that. That's awesome. It's, uh, as we said earlier, a little run for uh, my money, you know, being all over the place, but at the same time, getting lots of experiences and, you know, ultimately what I like to say is sharpening the sword. Exactly. Wonderful. We appreciate that. So <clears throat> the, the the name of the facility is unique. So kind of, you know, just give me a quick run on, you know, like what formulated in the brain to say absolutely Pilates? That's a great question. Um, there was already an absolutely Pilates with no hyphen, right? I just, and I thought, well, let me do that because ab, right? Because we work in Pilates, as we know, it's a lot of core training or ab training. So I thought, let's just separate the two words. And that allowed me to get my domain on the, you know, <laughs> and also not copy someone else. And that was, I'm talking 2000, 2001 timeframe. Now there's like so many absolute and absolutely Pilates, but I think I'm the only one with a hyphen in there. Um, so I'm glad I did it that way. Awesome. Well, nonetheless, a very unique name and I like abs, so I like the ab. Right. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we talked about it, you know, um, unique style setup, you know, being, you know, part of the home and, and things like that you know, kind of, you know, as a smaller operation, kind of walk us through, you know, how do people find you? Obviously, I'm sure there's some sort of a name awareness and, you know, things like that. But, you know, where, where do the bulk of your leads come from? That has changed over the years. Okay. So originally it was old fashioned advertising because, you know, social media wasn't very popular back when I first started. So it was more like putting up flyers or um, going to physical therapists, leaving business cards with them and doing all sorts of marketing, even buying advertising in, in specific publications. Uh, then it changed because social media we, that made it a lot easier and a lot cheaper for me to advertise. Uh, so I was doing Facebook ads and posting on Instagram. To be honest, it isn't the best way to find people. I, I found that it's cheap, but it's also not that effective. Um, but it helped me get some name exposure. Then my website was really what got me people. I have a really good web designer. I've been through three websites. This is my third one. The woman I use is in South Carolina. She specializes only in Pilates businesses. I have a lot of links to articles that I've written because I still like to write. And um, she has helped me find I don't know if it's more niche markets or using the right words or whatever. So I come up more on Google search and so forth. And once I get that nice little core clientele, then it's word of mouth. And I can't emphasize how important word of mouth is. Once you have a few people, they tell their friends and their friends tell their friends. But until you get those core clients, you don't get that word of mouth. So it's kind of a process. Now I'm at the point where I have so many people, um, you know, I'm not going to say I don't need any more because you know how that is. It could change at any moment, but uh, right. I have a nice core base. I keep up my website. I keep writing articles and, um, and that seems to do it. No need to really spend money on advertising. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> Excellent. Um, all right. So, you know, Obviously, your, your situation is a little more, again, unique. You know, you don't have a big facility, studio, you know, big paid advertising, things like that. So let's kind of shift the dynamic here. 
you know, you've been in business for a while now. What's kind of like your ultimate goals, you know, moving forward, maybe through this year, the next few years to come? I'm really, really happy where I am right now. I like the clients that I have. I want to keep expanding and bringing in new bodies to do Pilates. Um, I'm adding... um, I like to add other disciplines. I'm not, a lot of Pilates instructors tend to just focus on just doing Pilates. I'm open to other things. I'm also a personal trainer with ACE. Um, I've got backgrounds and other methodologies. What I'm looking at right now is something called the Franklin method, which is um, something that uses for pain, man. It's used a lot for dancers, for yoga teachers, for Pilates instructors. So people can actually go, go further doing things and eliminating pain. My, I guess pain is my big thing here. I really um, like to help people to get out of pain and to move more freely. Um, you know, I, I get some of my clients, a lot of my clients are older, they're over 45. And, you know, they're the ones who want to do anti-aging. And I said, there's nothing more anti-aging than, you know, working on your body, not just to look great, but also to move better. I mean, if you can walk better, stand up taller, it, it takes years off you and, and uh, gives you a better quality of life. So I'm trying to get in that direction where, because I have a lot of Pilates background, I have a lot of choreography, all of that. What I'd like to do is learn more about helping people get out of pain and, and study along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pain management is crucial, especially th- there's the the big joke and, you know, nothing against um, younger, older people. It's like something about like once you hit your 30s and beyond, it's like everything just changes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like you, you're up the hill and then like the Millennium Force, you go straight down. Um, but to the point, pain management is is crucial because we don't move like we did back in high school or college or, you know, what have you. So your body isn't used to those types of movements and therefore things change, your body adapts, things like that. So, um, and one thing that I've come to find out through talking to multiple Pilates owners, whether it's classical or, you know, more, um, fitness oriented things like that, it's like, it's, it's all about like the mind and the body connection and, and using movement as power. Exactly. Um, so let, or let me, which leads me to kind of, you know, what is or how has been your experience through Pilates? I mean, you have a lot of experience. You've probably seen a lot of different things. You know, what's what's been your biggest takeaway from everything that you've done from start to where you are right now? Well, I've seen a lot of changes. And if I'm not answering your question, let me know. But I've seen a lot of changes in the industry itself. When I first started, there was just Pilates. And yeah. uh, it was based on the classical method, uh, the work of Joseph Pilates. You had the machines. You follow a certain sequencing. Um, and that was that. And everybody sort of agreed to that. Then it got it changed. And um, it started changing right around 2010-ish, 11, when I, Right shortly after I moved to California, because I was very much a traditional Pilates teacher, and all of a sudden, I saw everything was different. It was getting to be much more fitness oriented. People were just coming up with their own stuff, using the equipment to do other types of exercise. And I was, at first, I was appalled by all of this. I'm like, wait, this is not what I spent thousands and thousands of dollars to study. And then in time, I started thinking, well, this is kind of what people want. I mean, there was a big market for that. They really wanted that fitness oriented um, Pilates. So I kind of loosened up a little bit and um, tweaked my style in such a way so I could accommodate that. So if somebody came to me and said, I'm getting married in six months, can you make me look better? You know, that I would use a different approach with someone like that. Or, you know, I don't usually promote weight loss because I, I, 
you know, I'm not getting into a different topic, but that's much more complicated than what I do. But, um, you know, if they just want to look, have stronger looking abs or, you know, a better butt, whatever it happens to be, I can, I can go that way. So I'm willing to kind of, die. so I'm, I'm, it's, I'm a little bit unusual that way. And then I have this big toolbox and I can go different ways. And that's the, a lot of the Pilates community is very strict. They won't do that. And I'm not sure I answered your question, but that's kind yeah. of what I've seen. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I guess there wasn't really like a specific that I was looking for rather than just kind of like, what's been your experience? Like you said, from the beginning stages, we'll say to, you know, now 2023, right? So, right. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. And things move. I mean, things, as you know, in exercise, things evolve, you know, what was popular mm -hmm. in the nineties, people haven't even heard of anymore. Uh, so things change all the time. 15 years from now, it'll be something that we don't even know what it is. Um, so it does change, but it, the fact of the matter is it's still exercise. It's still movement therapy. It's still probably good for you. Uh, and I was, I'm thinking, yeah, if people like something, why not give it to them as long as you stay safe? And so that's how I kind of opened up a little bit before I was very resentful of, well, all these studios are opening up and they're making tons of money and they're not really teaching Pilates. And then I thought, so what? People like what they're doing. It's kind of like Pilates and um, I have no problem with it. Excellent. Um, so, you know, you're comfortable, you're happy where you are, you know, in, in your eyes, you know, what's the most this is probably a general answer for a lot of people but you know in your eyes what's the most rewarding thing from specifically pilates like you know over the years like obviously clients are going to be stronger they're going to feel better they're going to be able to move again but kind of you know like in your eyes what's been like the most rewarding factor from being able to provide such service I think um, a lot of my clients sum it up. One of the things they tell me is that they've never felt better, uh, that they're able to, they get out of bed in the morning and they feel fine. They don't have that terrible back pain or hip pain or shoulder pain that they're able to do a lot more. They're getting more satisfaction from their life. They feel better. And we, as you know, and we all know is that um, exercise helps with the endorphins. You feel better. It helps with, you know, depression. And uh, they say, you know, I had one client, for example, that had COVID really bad. Uh, and um, he was real depressed for three weeks. It was long COVID. It was, and then when he came back, he was like, you know, I feel so much better psychologically, physically. So I feel great. It's like, um, I always joke, I say I'm a shrink on a reformer. So I feel like I, not only do I do physical work, but sometimes it helps people psychologically, which is a nice, it's nice to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the, one of the most rewarding things for, you know, my experience through, you know, group coaching is just, you know, seeing the changes in people and then obviously being reinforced by coach. I feel so much better. I am like a whole nother new person. You know, some people say their relationships are better. They're happier, you know, they can move better, like you said, and it's just like, it's, you know, it's a good feeling because you're doing something that's impactful and you're going to be remembered by that. And I think that's right. important to, to, to leave your mark, you know, whatever it is, you know, people get into business for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, a lot of people want to make money. That's a huge reason of, you know, business. And then on the fitness side of things, it's like a lot of people get into it because they do want to make money, but they also want to help others because of maybe something they went through. Um, 
So yeah, and yeah. I also believe the two aren't mutually exclusive because if you're able to fix people, make them feel better, you end up making more money because they send you people, right? And, and they feel and they keep coming. So it's like you have to sort of have to be able to you have to make money so you can stay in business and you have to be good to stay to stay in business. So it, they work together. Yes, twofold there, twofold. Um, right. So, you know, interesting question here, you know, with overhead and things like that, have you ever you know, thought of branching out to, to what you're doing now, as far as, you know, maybe a, a, a smaller space outside of the home or maybe something, you know, different than just being in your home, or is that kind of like just the, the, the standard there that that's going to continue and you're just going to continue to train different people. And yeah, I don't, that's, a, that's up in the air. Maybe, um, be, being in Southern California, uh, we have, really high runs here so yeah. that's the factor i mean if i had been living anywhere else i would be in a studio so i won't want a big studio i don't want the big you know big box studios with lots of reformers smaller one maybe with seeing four people at a time but rents are so high here i have so many friends that have studios that are they're not sure they can stay open covid as we all know did a number on us mm-hmm. um, because there was time without paying rent and not working i luckily didn't have to worry about that so it's it let's just say that i'm open to options we'll see how i you know one day yeah. at a time on that answer that's, that's perfectly acceptable you never know you could find a gold mine somewhere and bam there you are or win the lottery or something right that would be nice i would i would be like dev remember little old me no i'm just kidding <laughs> right um, yeah, there you go. yeah no that would be that would be great um so <clears throat> you know what what other you, know, you mentioned you do like writings and articles and things like that. You know, what, what has kept you sharp all these years when it comes to Pilates? Is it, you know, is there, is there research outside of, you know, your work that continues, you know, improve learning because we're always learning something new every day, or, you know, do you learn from other instructors kind of what's been your like continuing education process? Um, yeah, I, tr- I used, I was taking private classes for a while with somebody, uh, just for my own body. I, do, I haven't done that since COVID because the person I really, the one teacher I really liked stopped work, you know, retired working. So, um, so sometimes I'll take a group class just to get some fun choreography out there. But what I really do is uh, a lot of podcasts. There's uh, my group that I'm certified with is called Polestar Pilates and their founder and CEO, Brent Anderson, does a weekly, has started a weekly podcast in 2020 because of COVID on all these different topics, um, everything. I mean, you, you name it. Uh, so I watch those and I do my own research. I read a lot. Uh, the one thing I would like to do more is take more classes, but my schedule is so packed. I don't have time for it. And, and mm-hmm. all the classes are full anyway. So it's really, so I'm going to, that's my goal during the year is to try to squeeze in more classes just for the group classes at Club Pilates, uh, I teach two classes there as well as a freelancer. So just take up, just get some fun choreography. It's a lot of fun to do. I did that all the time until they got to the point where they didn't have any room. So I'll Excellent. figure it out. Yeah. Love that. Um, so something that just came to my mind and it, you know, I want to get your, your, your opinion and expertise on this and there's no right or wrong. There's no like bad or good. I just kind of, you know, just curious. I've talked to a lot of different gym owners or excuse me, Pilates owners over, you know, the last few weeks. And there's like a big thing 
that's common. And there's quite a few Pilates owners that I've actually spoken to out of California. Some, um, you know, San Francisco, some, you know, slightly in your area. But to my point, a lot of Pilates owners, you know, whether it's here or North Carolina or somewhere, have an issue finding instructors, right? And I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe your friends have had a similar issue, but when, what I want to ask is, in your opinion, obviously, you know, you're a one-person show for now. Do you feel like the issue of finding instructors is monetary, where maybe the gyms aren't paying the instructors enough to be able to attract what they need? Or do you feel like it's truly, there's just no Pilates instructors that want to teach? You know, what's kind of your take on the struggle, you know, within different facilities? I know you're right about that because I know, um, like I told you, I, I teach just two classes a week at Club Pilates. And I have um, since 2000, I think I started in 18 or 19, it was before COVID. Uh, and when I first started, there was no trouble finding instructors. They had plenty of instructors, but since COVID, there's been a shortage. And I'm not sure what's causing that. I do think that it's definitely pay because the studios that pay more don't have as much trouble as the ones who don't pay as well. Then there's the people that want to go out on their own. So they don't want to work. And say I do both. I work for myself and then I, I teach there because I just enjoy the group atmosphere. I can't yeah. do it a lot because of time, but I really enjoy it and have a lot of fun with that. Um, and I think Club Pilates is a good, I think they're a good organization. Uh, so I think that's it. And I don't know. I mean, there's a labor shortage in a lot of fields. I don't know what people are doing to make money, but maybe they're not going going through the certification because a lot of them do require a certification because of insurance purposes. So you can't wake up one morning and go, I think I want to be a a Pilates instructor. I'll watch a video and go audition. You need to have that education. So that could be it that they're not taking, they're not paying the money certification. I don't know, but it's definitely, it's a huge problem. They are short, really short on people. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you kind of clarified a little bit that, you know, it's, it's gotta be some kind of pay because in my opinion, you wouldn't have a problem keeping somebody if they're paid well versus somebody that's busting their butt. They're doing all the right things. They're staying late. They're coming in early. They're practicing their craft and they're getting paid minimal. Right. Right. Then, then there's a value defacement there. Um, so another question, and again, just your own opinion. Um, and for just for context, we'll use your specific area because um, you can speak to it more. But in general, um, Pilates owner or Pilates instructors, wh- where do you feel the value should be placed at for them? Like, should they get paid 70 bucks a class, 30 bucks a class? Is it a sliding scale based on how many people are in class? You know, where, where do you feel is the best, again, in your own opinion, no right or wrong answer, r- best way to, you know, guide or pay a Pilates instructor from your experience? Well, if you, if it's like me, where you work for yourself, you, you, pay what you can get. I mean, you what the market will bear. And yeah. I know that the going rate in this area for a private class is between say 75 and 100. And I think oddly enough in California where the cost of living is high, there are other places throughout the United States with a much lower cost of living where they make more. And that just has to do with, I guess that's supply and demand or whatever, you know, who knows why, sure. but that's, that's the case. So California is probably in the middle of what pay is. When you work for a someone else, the split between the owner and the instructor 
is usually 60 40 and i'm not sure which is i'm not sure about i think the i think the uh, instructor gets the 60 and the owner gets 40 some have 50 50 it's usually 60 60 40 or 50 50 split between owner and the instructor um, so depending on what that instructor charges so yeah so it just um it depends on what they have but you're going to have i i'm saying minimum 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 it's going to be 30 35 dollars to the teacher or you're not going to pay yeah there's a few places that they like gyms that might chart, pay you 22 dollars I don't know how they find anybody. I guess someone right out of a certification program might want to get the experience and they'll do it for that or they get the free membership. But yeah. um, there's such a shortage right now that it's a buyer's market and they're going to get what they want. Interesting. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, great, great, great answers. Um, and then I got one, one more that popped into my head too. <clears throat> you, you know, in, in your opinion, again, you're a one woman show for now and you do part, you know, partial club what's the best way again in your opinion to value an instructor and how would you keep that instructor if per se they were under your wing like what what would you say is going to keep an instructor around obviously pay is going to be a huge one but you know with that being such a different dynamic than like group coaching or kickboxing or whatever you know mm -hmm. just walk us through that for me, having worked for someone else, I would say the best thing is give them autonomy. I just, um, I don't think people like you breathing down your, their neck all the time and telling you what to do and how to teach. And I mean, unless there's an issue right there, but give them some autonomy, uh, give them a reason to, you know, to bring, you know, a percentage of a new client comes in or retention, um, that's all monetary. So I think it's like, you want to give them the recognition that they're good and compliment them and help them and give them mm -hmm. what they need, maybe pay for or partial pay for workshops or seminars that they can take and, um, and then pay them adequately and, and just be always be aware of what the, I always found it interesting that other, you know, I don't have this problem because I don't have a staff, but I notice other studios, a lot of times they're not looking at what the market's plan. It's a business thing. You have to like, what is the market paying? If you're paying your instructors $25 and the going rate is 40, that's why you're not getting anybody. That's why nobody wants to teach for you. So I think that they have to have a good business head on how are others treating the instructors, which is the commodity and a really prime and, and treat them accordingly. So that's what I think. And I really, it could be just me, but when I did work for another big studio, and I had them calling me, well, you don't, I don't want you doing this. And I don't want you doing that. I'm like, don't tell me what to do, <laughs> you know, cause I'm very, I don't, I know what I'm doing and I don't mind a little critique now and then, but not constant. And, and their critiques right. were not, were, they were not good ones anyway. So, um, so the, that kind of thing and, and recognize the good in the person. Sometimes a very good, well-trained teacher doesn't always get the audience they want for whatever reason, their personality isn't as good. They don't, they don't connect with the audience. In that case, I would probably work a little bit with that person and, and try to help them to lighten up a little bit. So those are the kind of things that I think you need to do to keep your students and your clients happy and the instructor happy. I like that. I like that. L little value, little uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship inside the facility with what they can do and, you know, incentivizing certain things to kind of mm -hmm. make them feel like it, the, the more they work, the more they're going to make on multiple avenues. Exactly. 
Perfect. Well, thank you for that, Deborah. Uh, last two things here for you. First and foremost, you know, if somebody were starting their own fitness or wellness journey to be their own boss, you know, whether it's a Pilates studio, whether it's kickboxing, whatever, what words of advice would you give somebody starting their own business? Oh, that's a good one. Um, first of all, make sure that you, um, you know what you're, you know what you're doing. So whatever your discipline happens to be that you really love doing it and that you're good at it and you have something to offer. Uh, second, look around the area and see um, what kind of needs are in the, in the marketplace. Cause you want to make sure you're just, if there's a hundred people just like you, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe differentiate yourself in a way so you can bring in new people. Uh, and then um, just really get tight with your marketing, you know, get out there and meet a lot of people. You have to be, you have to be an extrovert in this business. Uh, get to know people, offer deals, whatever it takes to get people in the door. And then you're, if you're good, you're going to keep the people, right? But you got to get those people and being good and having a successful business doesn't always mean you're going to be successful. You have to get those bodies in the door. And that's mm -hmm. always a challenge. And, but then once you get them and you're good, you're going to be fine. But it's like the beginning is always tough and it's, it can be frustrating be patient because you're going to have ups and downs too. I had lots of downs, I tell you. A lot, I mean, I had lots of ups and I had lots of downs. I remember I went to a physical therapy place. I thought I was so clever. I had my business cards all around a, a jar of cookies that I, I mean, just to have them. So I said, when your people are out of therapy, send them to me. The look they gave me when I walked in there was like, I was like, who are you and what are you doing? I was so humiliated. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. So, I mean, but then I, I got over it. But that's the thing is you'll make, you'll do some really good things and some things that just don't work out. Awesome. Love that answer. Appreciate that. Um, and then last thing, Deborah, again, different, different style, you know, a little dynamic with, you know, being inside your own home, but how can people reach out to you? If somebody's out here listening website, maybe you do some Instagram, maybe you do some Facebook, um, but how can people reach absolutely Pilates? Um, yeah, I have a Facebook presence and Instagram presence. I have a website. My uh, website is uh, www.ab dash, or is it hyphen, hyphen Pilates dot com. I guess you'll write that down. And uh, that has all my information, any specials I have. Uh, my Instagram is not, I don't have a huge presence on Instagram, but I'm there under Deborah five. There's like five Debras in the world. So I remember five and, um, and that's it. Yeah. So um, I, if you do a Google search on Pilates in Huntington beach, I'm there. And I'm ranked awesome. in the top 10. Yeah. Oh, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Deborah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. And for everybody else out there listening, uh, you know, Deborah, Deborah's got a lot of cool things going on. If you're in the area, um, you know, check her out. You know, maybe if there's a slot that opens up anytime, you know, definitely get in with her. Um, get it as a lot of a lot of good mind-body connection with Pilates. So um, and then most importantly, if anybody out there listening heard this story and it spoke to them and they want to come on our show and uh, explain their experiences or perspectives on the industry and what they're doing, feel free to click on your link below, type in your information. We'll get in touch and we'll get you on the show. But until then, y'all, that's been another episode of the Jim Lords podcast. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. 
The Gym Words Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Roundtable. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It is the one and only Mike Romano with Maximum Results Fitness. Mike, what is going on, man? Happy Friday, brother. How are you feeling? Yeah, man. Happy Friday. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. How are you? Always good, man. It's always good when it's Friday. I mean, it's good every day as well, but something special about Friday, <laughs> you know? So uh, look, we're happy to have you on here, man. We're excited to have you on, Mike, and we're loving the beard, brother. I'll tell you that, but let's dive right <laughs> into it. Um, you know, we'll start with uh, the concept of what we're going to be discussing today is lead gen and marketing. And so we'll start with the first question here. And, you know, I think this is something that we discussed off air too. You know, when you start in this industry, you come in as a fitness professional, right? But you slowly realize you have to become a marketing professional, a sales professional, a business professional. And so for the years that you've been running your business at this point, right? Do you feel like you consider yourself somewhat of a savvy marketer? Have you gotten to that point yet? Um, yeah, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years and you know, uh, the marketing over those 15 years has kind of changed and you're always kind of yeah. rolling with the punches a little bit. And, um, yeah, I think I, I think I can say confidently that I've, I have done pretty well with the marketing side of things, but also in the same breath, I don't want to get too overexcited because, you know, who knows how that's going to change over the next, you know, six to 12 months, you know, it's always, it's always a change of game. So it's definitely an innovative process, right? I think we've realized you always got to stay on top of it. Yeah, because it, it changes very fast and very randomly. I mean, I, I mean, COVID was a big example of the big transition of like, well, we're forced to change here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, such a great point there, Mike. And so now I like to ask this question too, right? I think 99% of the industry falls under one of these categories, right? And there's typically three. It's going to be all word of mouth, right? Tried paid advertising and failed or tried paid advertising and succeeded, so where do you feel like you fall under in those categories, Mike? Uh, I think this point in my career, I'm probably, uh, I'd say I'm 75% word of mouth, maybe a little bit more. And then the rest is just organic advertising, but nice. I've done them all. You know? Yeah, I've done them yeah. all. I've, uh, you know, I've, I dabbled a little bit in the paid advertising and uh, completely bombed. I dabbled a little bit in the paid advertising and did okay. And now it's mostly just organic stuff of just me being me and doing what I do best and getting people results. And then, it, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think when your fulfillment is strong, in turn, it pays dividends, right? They're going to talk well about you, right? They're going to be like, wow, well, go to Mike, man. Look at what he got me to do. I lost like 20 pounds, 30 pounds here. And I think it's inevitable to get that attention from that, right? They become Yeah, then, you know, you take that and you and you put it on your social media, you put it up on, on you know, whatever on your, your business profile and, yeah. you know, it kind of reaches organically that way as well. Exactly, exactly. And so I like to give the perspective to the viewers here and I like to ask you here, Mike, so what do you feel like you've tried that worked really well and then we can follow this up with what did not work so well? Uh, so in your experience, what worked really well for you here? We'll answer that question first. Um, I think in the most recent times, like probably since we've got back into the gym since COVID would be, um, posting or I'm sorry, uh, I guess it would be posting, but just putting up stuff with on stories like live stuff or, or stories of my clients working out while they're working out, posting it up. And people love seeing that people love seeing regular people in there working out you know instead of seeing the nice like fit person or the skinny girl (laughs) like they see real people like sweating and struggling i can do that that's me you know it's relatable 100 percent. yeah i agree and i think like over the last like two years i think that's kind of the biggest thing instagram stories facebook stories that kind of stuff yeah using the resources that are are kind of given to you almost for free, right? I mean, it's, it's on the platter yeah. for you right there. You might as well utilize it as well. Um, and so now in turn, what have you tried that did not work so well for you, right? And, and <laughs> uh, that's, a long list. that's a long <laughs> list. I mean, you know, since the whole um, online training stuff, I mean, I've, I've dabbled in a lot of it, uh, you know, building funnels. Uh, I think, I think building funnels is probably the biggest one that's, uh, I tried, put a lot of hard work into. I'm not a very big techie guy, but I'm also kind of picky when it comes to my own stuff. So like, I'm going to learn how to do it because I'll try to pay somebody to do it or I'll try to tell somebody how to do it and it just won't come out the way I like it. So I'll dive into it myself. So I built funnels myself. I built websites and it's a lot of time that does not pay off for me. I think the funnels is the biggest thing. Yeah. For okay. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, do you feel like, do you, do you think it did not work in particular for you because of like either not knowing how to do it or do you feel like it was mostly because of it just wasn't resonating? Like what was it that you feel like made that like not? Yeah. Work? I mean, I think I did. I think I did really well with it. You know, uh, I, I followed all the rules that they said to do and stuff like that. Uh, it just, you know, getting people to the funnel, getting people to, you know, outside of my, you know, area to, to see it. Um, it's just, you know, it's takes another level, I guess, you know, you're tons of money on paid advertising and perfect ads and copyright and all that stuff. It's just, it's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of moving parts that if you don't get them right, if you don't, if you're missing one of them, you're, it's, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. Exactly. I agree. I agree. And I appreciate the transparency there. I appreciate that, Mike. And so one last question for you here, man. Uh, you know, hypothetically here, right? I mean, let's say lead gen was never a concern anymore. You had everything figured out, new clients every single day. What comes next? Where does your focus shift from here? Um, I do want to get into that 
into a bigger online world. Um, I'm working with a coach right now to, you know, work on everything when it comes to building the offer and delivering, you know, uh, delivering has never really been my problem. It's just getting people from point A to point B, um, getting them, you know, through the system of, of, uh, finding out who you are and trusting them to give you the money to get them the results. So that's what I'm working with with my coach right now is building some stuff to, to be a big, have a bigger online presence. Yeah. To, to show, you know, cause I mean, okay. I'm, I'm fully packed, you know, like my, my, my schedule is fully packed and you know, I have three kids, so I'm working, wow. you know, five 30 in the morning. Um, and you know, sometimes I'm home at eight o'clock at night. So, you know, wow. I can't, I can't fill the schedule more. So, you know, and I want to help as many people as I can. Um, so the next step is trying to get as many people online as possible. I love that. That's awesome, man. I mean, that was a mic drop of an answer there, man. I mean, to be able to do all that stuff, right. Be a father. I mean, trust me, I was a personal trainer for a long time, man. And I know those hours are grieving and I have no children. I can't imagine how that's awesome. We got to add superhero to that career list right there, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's a grind, but you know, you got to do it. You know, my thing is that. like, you know, and the thing is, is like, I have people that come to me. So they're like word of mouth or they're people who've heard of me and they believe in me and stuff like that. And, you know, somebody wants to come in and, you know, I, I got a client at six. So now they're like, all right, well, I'll do a five thirty. And like, how do you tell that person? No, when, they're looking at you and saying, I need your help, you know, so you can't yeah. say no. And then the next thing is like, well, somebody's like, all right, well, I'll do five o'clock in the morning. Like, how do you say no? You, know, you want to help them. So, In the industry of helping people, brother, that's all it is. Yeah. Look, Mike, it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please, any social media, Facebook, Instagram you have, shout it out now. Let the people know where can they find out more about you and the facility? Yeah. I mean, I've done it all. I mean, I'm, I have, it's maximum results fitness on everything. So it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, those are the three big things that I really focus on and just try to deliver as much value to people as possible. There we go. There you go. Mike, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And I look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. If you don't mind sticking around for man. two more seconds, man, I'll let you know how you can access the episode. I'm just going to sign everybody else out over here. Okay. All right. Awesome, Mike. Yeah. And to everybody else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in and join us and talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.